Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. Uh, that's the opportunity uh, in all of this is that, wow, when the nailed down things of life are falling apart, when no matter what we do, it's not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough money. It's not going to be enough of anything. None of us have enough to fix this thing. Words of wisdom today from a pastor and a therapist as Paul welcomes Dan Munson, who brings a unique approach to the topic of trauma and guidance for young pastors. This is Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was Derek. a golden boy. And all we can do right now is come Extreme together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Welcome to Life Support, hosted by Pastor Paul Johnson from Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota, a trauma survivor himself. My name is Steve Johnson, director of Five Stone Media, a co-sponsor of this program, and our goal is to use story to bring hope and healing. And now let's join part two of our conversation between Dan Munson and Pastor Paul. Hey, welcome to Life Support. I'm glad you're here, and we are joined again by Dan Munson, who is the co-founder of Family Innovations, a therapist and a pastor. He works with pastors all of the time, and Dan, I'm so glad you're here. We had a great talk last time about this pandemic and how it is affecting people, generally speaking, and, and pastors more specifically. And one issue that has been raised, probably not enough, is the mental health aspect of what people are going through right now. Even take it out of a pastoral realm, even everyone. How have you seen this isolation and the the troublesome nature of this pandemic play out in mental health and some of your clients and yourself and your family and those kinds of things? Yeah, it's just great to be back with you, Paul. Yeah, the man, mental health piece is always there. You know, pre-pandemic, you know, about 20% of people had some kind of anxiety or depression. But in the last month or so, you know, we're three months into this thing, uh, I saw some stats that said now it's three times that. That's startling, really, That's when you startling. think about that. That's a lot of people. Yeah. And, and people are uh, trying hard to keep it going. They're trying to do their best. But then they find themselves forgetting things. Um, you know, not realizing that, you know, several hours have gone by and they haven't accomplished anything. And they think, what's happening to me? Am I losing my mind? I'm hearing that more and more. And say, I say, no, uh, let's normalize it a little bit. Let's think about the COVID-19 thing. Let's think about three months. Has it been that long? I thought it was just a few days. Yeah, this is three months. Mm-hmm. And in, in, in addition to that, the, the racial tensions and all of those things that are happening and and the the world is turned upside down in the midst of the the pandemic i mean that's layered upon top of layer of stress of anxiety there's economic issues there's health issues people aren't going paul to the doctor because they're afraid to go out they, they might get covid i saw a stat saying 45 percent of people are afraid they're going to get it hmm. You know, and, and so this so they're not getting the treatment they not need. Not getting the treatment they need. Yeah, and so the mental health piece has uh, has just taken off to be. You know, I mean, I've seen figures saying that you know we could have seventy five thousand to a hundred thousand people 
die of suicide and other related kinds of stress and other related kinds of not going to the doctor kinds of issues, it, it may rise to the same kind of numbers as the, the pandemic itself, if not more. That's, that's pretty startling. Yeah, and I saw that same statistic, and it is a little bit scary because, you know, we're already on edge. And, and the, I think the, the thing that makes this so difficult is not knowing when the end will come. That's it. That's exactly right, because the, we can make something go for a while. We can, uh, uh, you know, rev up the engine and say, we can do it, folks, and we can tell people we're going to do it, and then no end in sight. And now we're even talking about other spikes of things happening and, and even more racial tension kinds of things and, and even lawlessness kinds of things. And people are becoming scared. You know, they're, they're, they're scared in their communities. Uh, we just had uh, a situation in Andover just uh, yesterday, a, a suicide. And uh, difficult uh, in our neighborhood, just half a mile from my house. And we're, we're out, neighbors are out talking about it. And they're saying, you know, this could be any of us if we're not careful, or any of our family members if we're not careful, because we've really got to start taking care of ourselves. And I said, you know, right now, as we were talking neighbor to neighbor, I said, you know, this is really powerful, because right now we're talking about it mm -hmm. rather than just having a knee-jerk reaction to it, rather than just hiding or, or getting on alcohol is a big thing right now yeah. and, and other kinds of drugs. So people are, are stressed out, and it's just, you know, it's uh, because it's long-lasting with no end in sight. That's what's really making it more difficult. I think that's the hardest piece. And I think that makes it hard for anyone. You know, I come from a pastoral perspective, but whether you're a pastor or you're running a business or whatever, you know, you don't know if your kids are going back to school, you can't plan. You can't say to yourself, you know, hey, I just got to buckle down here for another month or two and we'll be okay. And that's our normal way of coping and probably the right way to cope. God made us to have rhythms and exactly in right. our lives. And it's so interesting that you point out all the layers that are happening because, you know, not only are we afraid to get sick and we're afraid the economy is going to crash and we're afraid of where our country is going, but we're afraid for our physical safety. Exactly right. Every security blanket is being yanked out from us, which, of course, means mm -hmm. that God is lurking there and saying, well, how about me? That's how about the, me? That's the opportunity in it. Yep. Uh, that's the opportunity uh, in all of this is that, wow, when the nailed down things of life are falling apart, when no matter what we do, it's not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough money. It's not going to be enough of anything. None of us have enough to fix this thing. Uh, and that's what's really scary worldwide and, and, and of the whole United States. And, I mean, these leaders of the United States and of the world, are, I'm sure, just thinking, we don't have what it takes. We don't know how to figure this thing out. And that you bring it down to the local level now. Bring it down to our own families. We don't know how to figure this out. Now, I went to a counselor one time, Paul, and I was telling him how bad my life was and how many people need to change in my life and how difficult uh, things were at my fam in my family and in my church. And this, this counselor said, and it was Larry Crabb, <laughs> said to me, why is that so bad for you, Dan? Well, I wanted to punch him. <laughs> right. I said, I can, well, let me tell you again why that was so bad for me. <laughs> why is that so bad for you, Dan? I want you to go home and think about that. 
And that began to change my life because I realized that, wow, I was only thinking about me and the problems that were coming towards me and how hard it was making my life and how impossible it was making my life. And finally, Paul, it was in the midst of that, that the Holy Spirit got a hold of me and said, Dan, that's what you need to give to me. I'm good at handling that kind of stuff. Dan, you can't do that anymore. And there was a surrender back in 1980 for me that began a brand new journey in ministry and in my life personally. So. Well, I can see that fruit in, in, how you, in how you talk, and I can see that fruit in your worldview. And when you're talking about something like mental illness or the kind of stress that comes with this pandemic, the church isn't very good at talking about this. In fact, I don't think society's so good at it because I see leaders talking all the time about health statistics. I can log on to the Star Tribune website anytime and I can track the virus and I can track how many people have died and how many people are sick and there's nothing on there about mental health. And and so I, I fear that we're overlooking something that's just boiling under the surface. And so what would you say to someone who right now is listening to this going, wow, man, I, yeah, I'm not doing well. Like, I'm, I'm depressed. I'm, I'm, I'm sad. I can't sleep. What, what would your counsel to them be? I would first say thank you for sharing that. And I want to hear. And just admitting it. Just admitting right. it. Mm-hmm. Because the big thing is first saying I don't have what it takes is to say I admit that I need some help. That's the first thing that is, and that's so hard. Because we're full of pride, we want to be able to do it ourselves. We, you know, think that's the responsible thing to do. And so what I began to share then, Paul, is that I think that so often our Christianity even and our life in general is just is so full of head knowledge and rationalization and trying to figure out things. And that we feel is the responsible thing to do. And we get locked into that lie that that's the most responsible thing to do. And then we begin to ramp it up. If I just do more, if I just give to God more, if I just read the scriptures more, if I just pray more, if I initiate more programs for him, if I do more for my family, and all of a sudden we find ourselves, at least I find myself, Paul, no longer being, I'm just doing. Yeah, you're on the, you're on the gerbil's wheel. Yep. And it's hard to get off that once it starts up. It's addictive. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Especially when, for me, I got my security from it. I got my acceptance from it. So I found myself, you know, um, not listening, only just giving, giving, giving. I found myself not resting, just trying to do more. And and God, in, in, in the midst of that, let me know that I had an idol. Hmm. My idol was I was the one that had to make it happen. I was the one that had to fix it. I was my own worst enemy. And the Lord said, Dan, I'm just waiting, waiting for you to hand it over. And Paul, I wonder how much of the mental health, now there's a, is, is about that, because some of it is about medication needs. Some of it is about uh, you know chemicals uh, that are unbalanced and we have to have medication. But a lot of our studies show that that's probably less than 20% of it that 80% of our depression and anxiety is probably not necessarily 
going to need medication, even though it won't hurt to have some of that, obviously. And sometimes you need that just to get you bridged over where you can start thinking in a healthy way. Exactly right, especially yeah. if you've had more than six months to 18 months of, right. of, uh, mm-hmm. of thinking in ways that was that's draining. Mm-hmm. Your serotonin level obviously drops. Right. And you need at least six to 18 months of medication. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I always say, let's do the package deal let's do a little medication let's do a little uh, psychological tune-up here with some testing and let's do the spiritual piece yeah you know and that's put wise it, and put it all together mm-hmm. but it's amazing then once we are uh, balanced out if we don't though get the identity piece figured out we go right back to the problems and so the medication piece except for the you know bipolar and some of those that actually need that uh, for life uh, we have to still make sure that we are getting our needs met from Jesus. We'll be back to the conversation with Dan Munson in just a moment. You know, Pastor Paul is hosting this program from a unique perspective. After losing his first wife to cancer, he then experienced the homicide of his young adult son, Taylor. And that's what life support is all about, survivors in discussion with survivors. My name is Steve Johnson, Executive Director of Five Stone Media, And we are so pleased to be a co-sponsor of this program. For a video version of this and other conversations like this, you can visit fivestonemedia.com slash life support. And now, back to Dan Munson and Pastor Paul. What would you say to a pastor who's thinking to himself, if I let on that I'm really thinking these thoughts, experiencing these things, my world's going to unravel real quick. And you know that, you know that's what they're thinking. Exactly right. And some of them have some illustrations where they've... (laughs) Where that's happened. It happened in the past. Right, right. And and so I, I say thank you again for sharing that because that's a big step to be vulnerable to share that. And I say, and I say to the pastor, make sure you keep sharing with myself or others too that you trust. It has to be a safe place. It has so. to be a safe mm-hmm. place, and find those safe places and begin to share your story, because we're not designed to carry all this stuff alone. Mm-hmm. You know, that's part of what the body of Christ is about. And unfortunately, sometimes the church isn't the safe place to to share that. But prayerfully, that's that's going to change because mental health is being more accepted within the church community. There are more efforts, but we still got a long ways to go, Paul, on that whole thing. I think that why there's a grain of truth in that fear, I think if someone were to come out of that fear and actually enter into a relationship with someone and admit that, I think that there's a high likelihood that there would be freedom found and a loving heart rather than a judgmental heart and even if even if a job were to be lost, I remember when I went to seminary for the first time and, you know, my first class, our, our SEM president looked at us and said, you know, I just want you to feel free to lose your job because then you can go get one you really want anyway. Yeah. So um, even if a job were to be lost or a church would become cold to you, God isn't going to leave you by the side of the road. And I would think there'd be incredible freedom then to come out of that bondage. There is incredible freedom. And when folks begin to think about it and experience that, that's the word they use. I say, what's happening now? I feel free. Yeah. And I said, well, what about uh, moving ahead in this freedom? Oh, 
uh, I'm afraid again. Mm-hmm. What are you afraid of? Well, I'm afraid that the the other shoe will fall, that it's only going to last for a little while. And then it, that that gives us a chance then, Paul, to talk about our view of God. Because often I've found that my view of God might be kind of like my view of, of, of a father that maybe failed me or of a human being that failed me or a, a board chair that failed me or, you know, whoever, or a spouse that failed me. I, I might be uh, putting something onto God that is actually not healthy. And that's been really helpful for me to then to repent of that and say, Lord, God, I, I've even put you uh, in a, a place that's not loving Mm -hmm. that's judgmental i look at certain passages in the old testament you know and i look at different things and i said you know what kind of a god would allow those kinds of things to happen and and paul when i began to do the abiding piece and get acquainted with my my great god and get acquainted with his voice i understood that then the suffering that he was allowing the circumstances of life were just so much bigger than i could comprehend that actually god was a loving god getting me away from my own idols, getting me away from trying to ruin, wreck my life, ruin my life, really, by, by my own priorities and what I thought I needed. And God says to me, Dan, in your brokenness, I'm enough. I'm with you. I love you. And so that's the opportunity that I've been able to say to other pastors and people now when they come and say, you know, there's just too much, just too much. Yeah, well, this is very uncomfortable because you're you're going after a lot of my uh my little uh issues as well um <laughs> but i think all pastors can can relate to that um how do you strike a balance between spending time with god and actually doing the work that you've been called to do because we are paid to work and there are tasks and we have staffs to manage and we have you know our church is in a unique situation we're in the middle of a construction project in the middle of a pandemic and you know there's um there's lots to just do in that kind of a situation so how do i as a pastor figure out those lines yeah and i think this fits into the mental health part as well as the spiritual part Uh, it's figuring out that uh head and heart thing you know what i know in my head the positional truths the um the things that um I can preach and teach versus my heart and what I'm actually receiving. Because I have found, Paul, that I can live just like I'm like an atheist. Yeah. When it comes to. Or the, it's all just perfunctory. Yeah, right? where it, where mm-hmm. the experiential part of me is mm-hmm. like, a, like, like an atheist. It's like mm-hmm. it's not even true mm-hmm. uh, in my experience. And when, that began, when I began to realize that, I thought, wow. And so I had to then look at my identity. And, and realizing that my identity is not in what I do, it's in who I am. Somebody said it once. They said, we're not human doings, we're human beings. <laughs> yeah, right. That's good. <laughs> you know. So it's not just about carving time, which is important. Mm-hmm. It's about an entire mindset. It's a whole mindset. So you're, you're planning a sermon. You bring, you bring the Lord into that sermon, and you ask him to convict you and make you part of that sermon. Or maybe you're... Um, Maybe you're out meeting, having coffee with um, a congregant, and you're asking God, "Will you teach me through this person? Will you show me more of yourself?" Or maybe it's just that kind of a 
And I think brokenness, as you mentioned before, is exactly a huge right. part of it. And none of us like being broken. It's, it's all of that. And we yeah. don't like being broken. In fact, when I first bring that topic up to people that are trying to not be failures, they're saying, when you say the word broken, Dan, that, that sounds like a failure. And I don't want to be a failure. I've come to see you so that I wouldn't be a failure. Tell me what I need to do not to be a failure. Yeah, don't that's tell not me a I need good, to that's be broken. That's not a good place to be because yeah. brokenness is not failure. It's yeah. right. brokenness is what we, I, I wouldn't say that we want to strive for because that becomes non-brokenness when we're striving, but we should welcome. We should welcome it. And so what yeah. I've done sometimes, Paul, is to change the word. I say, well, let's use the word coming to the end of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And they say, okay, that's maybe they can. That's a medicine I can swallow a little easier than the word brokenness because they've been in broken families, they've been in broken mm-hmm. societies, they've been in broken, you know, um, marriages. And so, to hear coming to the end of, of their sel- of themselves, so that we can be at the beginning of God. Because if we're still trying to kind of control how God's working, God, please bless me, please bless our church, please bless our meetings, please bless what we're planning, you know. What if God's not into blessing us that way in terms of our plans? What if he wants to bless us with something that he's wanting to give us, you know? Maybe we're oftentimes, Paul, in the way because we're asking God to even bless our desires and plans rather than saying, God, would you make me a part of what you're blessing today? I find that to be kind of refreshing. Yeah, that's really sound advice. And if you are concerned about your own success or you're concerned that you're not measuring up, you're not going to be able to develop leaders. You're not going to be able to delegate to them and turn your ministries over to them and pass the torch. You're not going to be able to model um, a life of a spirit-filled life for your congregation. You can say it all you want, yep. um, but they can tell. And if, if you think you're fooling them, you're not. You're not. Yep. And unfortunately, what I see happening is um, in, a, in, a, in a very large part of our Christian world, there are there are, are very good young pastors coming up through the ranks, and I, by the way, I'm excited about that. Our, yeah. The church is not lost by any stretch of the imagination. Absolutely not. However, there is an incredible uh, new sort of uh, a focus on doctrine and having proper doctrine, which I'm all for. I mean, I take theology incredibly seriously. However. You can have all the best doctor, and the Pharisees knew that, mm-hmm. and they were disasters. Yeah. So, so who's going to help these young pastors? How can we be like you, Dan? How, what can I do as a? I'm not a therapist. How can I, as a pastor, help the next generation? I think the best way, uh, Paul, is to share our story. You know, share our vulnerable, vulnerable parts of us where we have uh, failed, where we have uh, gotten acquainted with God in the midst of our tragedies and problems uh, because when we do that it gives them permission to share their mental health issues when I talk about my my wife's issues or I talk about my uh, need to be needed and my uh, need to get my needs met from mm-hmm. my congregation when I say that kind of thing to my congregation they'll say that was kind of different to hear that but you know what that gives me permission now to think about where I'm getting my needs met and to maybe share in my small group next time, you know, that I'm getting my needs met in wrong places as well. And so I think that as we share our story, 
the same way if we have a board member, member that we want, you know, to get uh, transferred to another church or whatever, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, uh, that's our opportunity to really uh, be Jesus to that person. Yeah. Rather than seeing people as problems, what if we see those problem people as the very uh, uh, thing that we need, Paul, that we need in order for us to be broken, to be willing to be rejected, be willing to enter into the fellowship of Christ's suffering for the purpose of not being walked on. I'm, an, I'm not in favor of people being abused, not in favor of people being walked on. That, that just cannot happen. We, we report that kind of stuff. But I'm talking about the stuff that just irritates us. Yeah. What do those people need? They need to experience Jesus. And we're the only Jesus with skin on that they're going to experience. And we're their leader. And so when we begin to serve those that don't deserve it, I say to our therapists often, you know, give people what they need, not what they deserve. Yeah, that's good. The anchor on the board is for your good. Yeah. And um, how can people get a hold of you, Dan? If they, I'm so glad you're working with pastors, by the way. Yeah, well, actually, uh, with Family Innovations, I'm doing supervision there. So uh, probably not to call Family Innovations. Uh, it's best to just call my cell number. And I can give that out, actually. Well, I'll tell you what. We'll, we'll <laughs> post wanna, that, we'll post post that yeah. at Five Stone Media, yeah. and then uh, we'll, we'll get in touch. But thanks so much for being here, Dan. Thank you have a great story and a wonderful um, way of dealing with pastors. So thanks for doing that. Thanks, Paul. Great to be with you. Yeah, we're glad to do this on Life Support. We want you to come in contact with more of Christ. And like we've just talked about, John 15, 13, great verse. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. That's what we do, not only as ministry leaders, but we do that as other believers. That's what we need right now. We need to sacrifice ourselves and lay down ourselves at the cross. The world needs to see that. And we want to thank our partners, Faith Radio, myfaithradio.com. You can see a video version of this at fivestonemedia.com as well. And then check us out at Ridgewood Church at myrwc.org. And follow me on Twitter. I'd love to see you there, too, at Pastor Paul J. Thanks a lot for being with us, and we'll catch you next time right here on Life Support. for listening to this life support podcast these conversations are available because of listener support you can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com to avoid missing future editions of life support subscribe to the podcast today at itunes or your podcast player and thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of life support